So good to be with you. My name is Noah, and uh, if this is your first time at local church, you have to come back next week and hear, hear the real preacher, Pastor Brian. He's going to bring an awesome word, the other side. That sounds, that's good. I like that title. I'm going to steal that. Um, man, my wife and I, uh, we're so honored to be here. Uh, but before we introduce ourselves, I just think it would be appropriate. You guys have some incredible pastors at this church. And uh, I've got to witness that today. Come on. Yeah, go ahead and give it up for your pastors, Pastor Brian and Miss Becky. Um, we've, my wife and I have been talking all morning, just watching Pastor Brian run around uh, such a servant's heart. And you just feel his joy and his passion for Jesus. And through conversation, through the way that he loves this church, and, and just as people are coming through the door, it's, it's infectious. And so it's an honor for me to be here, Pastor Brian. Um, but my wife and I are here. Her name's Maddie. Maddie, why don't you wave to everybody right here on the front row, embarrass you. Uh, here's a photo of my wife and I, if you can't see her. We got married 18 months ago by the grace of God, and uh, it has been the most fun 18 months. She's from Birmingham, Alabama, and so if you've never uh, met or had the chance to talk to Maddie, if you've ever seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama, you've met my wife. Uh, she has that sweet southern charm. She adds a syllable to most words, and I love it. I love it. And uh, we have a son named Mowgli. He's one years old. <laughs> there he is. He looks cute. He is cute. Um, but if you would like to grow the fruits of spirit in your life, I'd invite you to get a puppy in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, there are multiple times where he's woken me up in the dead of night and uh, I'm outside and uh, I've resorted to quoting scripture, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, love is patient, love is kind. Dog, you're about to make me lose my mind. But that's our family and uh, we actually have the honor of serving a church called Neighborhood Church, which is about 45 minutes from here. We moved here in May uh, to be a part of uh, Neighborhood Church. We're the young adult and teaching pastors, so we hang out with young adults and I preach here and there and then we do a lot of stuff with students and we're pumped to be with, uh, with local church students in just a couple weeks. If you've got a high schooler, is it middle school too? High school, high school, if you've got a high schooler, bring them. It's going to be amazing. Really excited about that. But excited to be here, honored to be here. We're going to be in Matthew 14. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on. <laughs> Unless it's an Android, you just put it right back in your pocket. We can't have you disturbing our airwaves. <laughs> but uh, Matthew 14, today as we dive into God's Word, you can respond however you feel comfortable um, you can say amen, you can take notes, you can say preach it white boy, uh, whatever. Uh, if you hear something you don't like, I want to hear from you too. Just email me at nate at localchurchdawson.com and uh, <laughs> I'll respond to all of those. <laughs> Matthew 14, this is what it says, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. This is Jesus. While he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. 
Peter answered him saying, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? These next two verses, my favorite verses in the passage, they're kind of the ones we're going to focus on. This is what it says. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. I want to talk to you the next few moments. The title of my message is really simple. Came through dripping. Came through dripping. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you uh, would just remove the distractions, remove me out of the way so that you could speak what you want to speak to us today. We love you. We thank you so much for Chick-fil-A. And everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Amen. So uh, my wife and I, uh, about a year ago, we were living in Tennessee, and we were leading a college ministry called The Gathering, right on the campus of of Lee University, and uh, had a blast doing that. And every year that we led that ministry, we would take our leadership team on a trip to the beach, like a leadership beach retreat, right? What's better than Jesus, the beach, and Chick-fil-A, right? So we would go to lunch at Chick-fil-A, and um, we were... uh, (laughs) we were with a bunch of other people who love Chick-fil-A. Can I just brag on Chick-fil-A? It is the only place that the line can be three times around the building, and I'm still getting my sandwich in 17 seconds. Can I get an amen? It is incredible. I don't know how they do it. It's amazing. There was another time where uh, I walked into a Chick-fil-A pre-COVID when you could do that, and um, the dude at the cash register was a guy that I went to high school with, and he kept calling me sir like we didn't go to high school together. He was like, what kind of sauce would you like, sir? I'm like, Ted, blink three times if you're in danger, bro. What is happening right now? All right, but Chick-fil-A is amazing. So we go to Chick-fil-A on our lunch break at the retreat, and I'm driving one car. I've got four of our leaders in my car. My wife is in the car behind us, and she's got four of the leaders in her car. And I'm going to tell this story from two different perspectives really quickly so you can get the full scope of what happened there that day. The first perspective is going to be from from me, and the other perspective will be the leaders in my car. So here we go, my perspective. Pull up to the Chick-fil-A drive-thru window. I look over, and the lady in the drive-thru window, to my shock, is crying her eyes out. These are not like little tiny tears. These are like droplets, like falling tears. And I'm like, oh my goodness. This is not normal. Normally the joy of the Lord is y'all's strength. What is happening? She hands me two bags of Chick-fil-A through the window and she says, it's okay, I'm fine. It's just the car in front of you just paid for your entire meal. And I'm really relieved at this point because I wasn't sure if my credit card was even gonna go through. So I grab the Chick-fil-A bags. I start counting the nuggets and the sauces. I'm making sure everything's good. And after I count everything, I look back at this lady in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru line and I say, well, praise God, hallelujah. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, favor is not fair. I hope you have a blessed day. And I drove away, right? Second perspective of the story coming from People in my car, the leaders in my car, not me, this is their words. We pulled up to the Chick-fil-A drive through window. Our pastor, the coolest college pastor in the world, was driving, their words, not mine. <laughs> Pull up, we look over, and to our surprise, the lady in the drive through is crying. She's crying big tears. Pastor Noah goes, oh my goodness, what is wrong? Are you okay? Is everything all right? She hands him our two bags of Chick-fil-A. She said, the car in front of you just paid for your entire meal. 
Pastor Neil goes, oh my goodness. He takes the Chick-fil-A bags. He starts counting the sauces. He's counting the nuggets. He's passing everything out. And as he's doing that, the lady in the drive-thru line continued to talk. And she said, yeah, I've been working for the past hour and 30 minutes. Hour and 30 minutes. And every single car that has come through this drive-thru for an hour and 30 minutes has paid for the person behind them. About this time, Pastor Noah looks back at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru worker. He, he goes, well, praise God. Hallelujah. God is good all the time, all the time. Favorite fear. I hope you have a blessed day. And he drove away. And his wife paid for her own Chick-fil-A. <laughs> what does this have to do with following Jesus? What does it have to do with Peter? Right? Maybe you're like me. I grew up in church, and I've heard this passage of Scripture preached a ton, ton of times. You know, this, this is a really popular passage of Scripture. And every time I would read it, I would give Peter a hard time in my mind. I'd be like, Peter, come on, man. You blew it. You blew it. You were literally walking on water, doing the moonwalk across the water with Jesus. No one else, to my knowledge, has ever done this before. And then you blew it. But when I really think about what Peter did, the mistake that Peter made in Matthew 14, I realize that it's a mistake that I make all the time. What was the mistake? It's the mistake that Pastor Brian was just talking about. He simply was focusing on the wrong thing. How many times do I worry about where the provision is going to come from instead of just talking to the provider? How many times do I sing the lyrics of the song Waymaker, but then go and try to find the way on my own? How many times do I try to build a life for myself instead of just trusting the one who promised to give life? So we can give Peter a hard time, but if we're really honest, this mistake that Peter made in Matthew 14 is one that we're all susceptible to making. It's something that's really easy to do. Now, I do want to give credit to Peter because what Jesus asked Peter to do was a scary thing. Can we just agree with this? Like, this is not the wave pool at Disney World that Jesus asked him to walk out on. This is a, a storm that is so bad that professional fishermen who spend all day in boats are, are afraid out of their minds about. And Jesus goes, come to me on the water. Now, this confused me. Because I've read the Bible, I've read the verse that says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. It's in there, right? I'm not the only one who's seen that. God, hasn't, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So when I read this, I asked the question, then why is Jesus asking Peter to do something that causes fear to come into his life? If he didn't give me the spirit of fear, then why is he giving Peter a task that causes fear? I think it's because there's a difference between the spirit of fear and the feeling of fear. See, the spirit of fear is when we let fear win in our life. It's when we let fear tell us what to do, how to believe, what to expect in this new year of 2021. That's the spirit of fear. But the feeling of fear, that's actually an opportunity for us as followers of Jesus to have faith. It's actually an opportunity for us to walk out what we sing about. It's actually an opportunity for us to watch God do what only God can do. I would argue that if you never feel fear, you never need faith. Let me say that again. If you never feel fear, you probably never need faith. In fact, if you don't feel fear, and if you haven't felt some sort of fear at some point in the past several months, I would actually argue that maybe we are not stepping the places that God has called us to step. Because it's in those places that we have to rely on something, or rather someone, greater. Let me put it to you this way. You don't need 
faith when you know how it's going to work out, right? My, my wife, um, she is the best I've ever seen at loving people, okay? Between the accent and her heart for Jesus and just her sweet personality, like she never meets a stranger and you feel like you're like in our living room when she talks to you at Publix. It's crazy. It's a gift and she's incredible at it. So if my wife came to me and she was like, hey, babe, I've been noticing how you're interacting with our group at church and I feel like you could do some things that will come across as more loving, right? If she, if she said that to me, I would get out my notepad and I'd start taking notes because she is really good at that. It would take no faith on my part to believe her because I've seen her do it over and over and over and over again. But if my wife came up to me and was like, hey, babe, I'm going to Target just to look. (laughs) Yeah, all the guys in the room are laughing. You better stop. You're about to get in trouble. (laughs) That would take more faith. That would take more faith. If you know how it's going to end, doesn't take the same amount of faith. We have to have faith in the middle of our fear. I heard a preacher say one time, as he was preaching from this passage of scripture, I was sitting kind of in the back, and um, he said, God test us to see if he can trust us. He was talking about Jesus saying, come to me on the water. He said, God test us to see if he can trust us. And his message was amazing, but that line I I really struggled with as I was sitting in the back of the room. Because I was like, I just don't think that God tests us to see if he can trust us. Because every good teacher that I know always teaches the lesson before they give the test, right? They teach the lesson before they give the test. The, the context of the scripture that we're in today, I don't know if you, if you know what happens right before they get on this boat, but Jesus is chilling on the side of a hill. He's with his 12 disciples, and all of a sudden, thousands of people show up to join him for lunch. The only problem with that is all they have is a few pieces of fish sticks and some Texas toast. And the disciples are like, what in the world are we going to do? This is, there's no way we can provide for all these people. There's no way that this is going to feed all of these people. And Jesus is like, let me see it. They're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Like, let me see it. Breaks it, golden corral. Boom. <laughs> Incredible. What was Jesus doing? He was teaching the lesson That no matter what the situation looks like, no matter what the odds are, no matter what is stacked up against you, I operate in a different way. I do things in a way that you might not be able to see or understand, but you can put your faith in me. So then we fast forward what was probably, I don't know, four, six, 12 hours later. And Jesus says, come to me on the water. What was he doing? He was testing him on what he had just taught him. This is deeply encouraging to me as a follower of Jesus. You know why? Because it says that when I feel fear in my life, that Jesus has already taught me how to respond to the fear. He's already given me everything that I need, everything that I could possibly want or desire, and it's simply found in putting my trust and my focus, as Pastor Brian said, back where it belongs. Here's the thing about Peter. The water represented Peter's fear. And yet he chose to walk on it anyways. There was a time in my life where water was my biggest fear. Um, I don't know if anyone here has ever been to Disney's water park, Blizzard Beach. Has anyone ever been there? 
a couple hands. So when I was six years old, my family took a vacation to Blizzard Beach. And um, we walk in, and my dad has always been a little bit of a daredevil. And so he picks out the biggest ride at Blizzard Beach. It's this water slide, 130 feet tall. It's called Summit Plummet. It'll make your stomach plummet. And he picks it out, and he looks at his six-year-old son, me, and he goes, hey, you want to ride that? I said, get behind me, Satan. Not a chance. But the whole day, he, he's like, come on, let's ride Summit Plummet. Let's ride Summit Plummet. And, and I'm like, no, Dad, no, I don't want to do that. I'm scared. And we get to the end of the day. He's like, Noah, the park's about to close. This is the last chance. Do you want to ride Summit Plummet? And I was like, Dad, I just don't think I want to do it. He goes, I'll give you $50. <laughs> I said, make it 100 <laughs> So we get up to the top. And uh, <laughs> we were so high, I'm not kidding, the people looked like ants, and we were, it felt like we were swaying in the wind. I mean, it, was, it can't be safe. I don't know if you guys know the ride I'm talking about, but it is sketchy. And we get up there, and there's a lifeguard at the top. And we get up to the top, and my dad goes over to the lifeguard and whispers, he's like whispering something in his ear, and I'm thinking, oh, dad knows the lifeguard or something. I don't, I don't know what's happening here. And then my dad does something unexpected. He turns around, and he goes, see you at the bottom. And he hops on the slide and leaves his six-year-old son at the top of 130. You would go to jail in 2021, <laughs> first of all. Sirens start flashing. True story, I promise you. Sirens start flashing. There's a scoreboard at the bottom of the slide. Starts lighting up. New high speed. Not of the day, not of the week, but of the entire month at Disney World. My dad went 76 miles per hour down Summit Plummet. (laughs) I sit in the slide. I'm crying. I'm saying my sinner's prayer. And someone pushes me from behind. Yeah. My dad told the lifeguard, my son is terrified of heights. He's terrified of rides. I can't believe he's up here. I give you verbal permission to push him when he doesn't want to go. We should have an altar call right now for him. He's a pastor. I don't know. They just let anyone do that these days, I guess. You know what's crazy is even though I'd never cried that hard or screamed that hard or had a bigger wedgie in my life, We continued to go from park to park. We had four more days of vacation. We went to um, Magic Kingdom and MGM Studios and all these different places. And every time we'd walk into a new park, my dad would look at me and he'd go, you want to ride that one? You know, and he'd pick out the biggest one. And for a split second, that fear would come back. And I'd be like, ah, I don't think I can do it, Dad. I don't, I don't want to do it, you know. And, and then he'd go, but, but remember Summit Plummet? Remember you rode Summit Plummet? And then I would get the courage and I would go ride the next one. And it kept happening and happening and happening. And I think as followers of Jesus, what we get in the habit of doing is we're always looking forward. And sometimes when we feel that fear, what we really need to do is we need to look back at how God came through yesterday. And that'll give us the faith that we need to look forward. Oh, remember 2020? When the, when the year that went crazy, how we weren't sure how God was going to provide? Oh, look, he provided yesterday. He'll provide today. Remember the beginning of 2020, we weren't sure what was going to happen with our jobs or or with our community at church. Remember, Remember all the uncertainties and how God still showed up in the middle of it? No, I can choose to have faith anyways. Peter, the water represented his fear. But notice, as he walked on the water, there's no way that he didn't get wet. He still got wet. You know what this says to me as a follower of Jesus? It's that sometimes we're going to have to do it dripping. Sometimes we're going to have to do it afraid. Sometimes we're going to have to choose to have faith, not before the fear leaves, but in the middle of the fear. 
What if I told you that the life Jesus is calling us to is not a life where we can only have fear or faith, but it's a life where when our fear is at its highest, our faith rises above it. Our faith takes a step up and we go, you know what? Jesus is, t- is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's an anchor for my soul. You know the thing about an anchor? Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6 says that Jesus Christ is an anchor for our soul. You know the thing about an anchor? It plops you right down in the middle of where you're at. I'm like, Jesus, I need a speedboat. I'm trying to get out of here. And Jesus is like, nope, right in the middle of it, right in the middle of the fear, right in the middle of the uncertainty, that is where I will be your anchor. Woo, that's a good time to say amen right there. Sometimes we're going to have to do it dripping. How'd you keep your faith in the middle of a pandemic when everyone else seemed to lose it? I came through dripping. I was still afraid, just like everybody else. I was, I was still upset, just like everybody else, but I came through dripping. Or, or maybe someone says, how'd you keep your faith when, when you lost your job at the beginning of 2020? When, when people started getting, laying off, getting laid off, how'd you keep your faith then? You know, it was scary. We weren't sure how we were going to feed the kids. We weren't sure how we were going to pay the bills. But, but the little money that we did have coming in, we just kept tithing. We just kept believing that God's word was true, that if he could take care of the birds and they don't worry about what to eat, how much more does he love me? No, no, no. We came through dripping. What if today the simple encouragement to you is, yeah, you feel the fear, but it's time to step anyways. Yeah, you feel the uncertainty, but it's time to just keep trusting anyways. It's time to just put one foot in front of the other with your eyes fixed on Jesus to come through dripping. I love verse 24 in this passage of scripture because it says this. It says that the wind was against them. And then Jesus says, come to me on the water. Peter starts walking on the water. And then it says that Peter looked at the wind and then he sank. Then he sank. That's because when we focus on what's against us, we'll always sink. But when we focus on who's for us, we'll literally walk on the thing that's trying to sink us. We'll walk on it. John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus turns to his disciples. He says, before Moses was, I am. And that scripture really messed with my head for a little while because one, it's not good English. I thought Jesus had been hanging out with Yoda from Star Wars before Moses was. I'm like, what is happening? But the more I dug into that, Moses was a big deal to these Jewish people. Up before Jesus, Moses was the man. And Jesus is trying to say to them, hey, even more than Moses, I'm the one that you want in the middle of your storm. Even more than Moses, I'm the one that you want in the middle of your boat. Why? Because I am the Alpha and the Omega. Because I am the beginning and the end. Because I am your peace when you can't seem to find it, because I am your anchor for your soul, because I am your freedom, because I am your life, because I am, there is nobody that you should put your trust in besides Jesus, because every single time that you do, every single time that you do, he comes through. He comes through. I'm going to come through dripping. My friend Jesse's going to come up. Will y'all give it up for my friend Jesse? He's going to help me with the, the end of my message. And, um, is there, is that towel over, oh, it's right here, cool, sweet. Jesse's the man, this water's cold, I touched it, it's, it's a little chilly, I'm still going to ask you to get in there. Jesse's going to be Peter, and I'm going to be Jesus. He kind of got the short end of the stick, but it's my message, so I make the rules. But um, he's going to be Peter, I'm going to be Jesus. I want to read this scripture to you, verse 32 and 33. 
I found this so crazy. I've read this passage over a hundred times at least, and I've never seen this before. This is what it says. This is right after Peter falls, right after Jesus picks him up. Verse 32, they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. Truly you are the son of God. So Peter falls into the water, gets wet, and here's the thing. The water at first represented Peter's fear. We just talked about that. He chose to come through dripping, chose to have faith in the middle of his fear, but then he falls, loses his faith, takes his eyes off of Jesus, and now the water takes on a second meaning. It no longer means fear, it means failure. Right? This is failure. This is what it looks like. Not only did Peter fail in front of his Lord and Savior, he failed in front of his, his 11 closest friends. Like this would, be, this would be horrible. Like think about having one of your biggest failures not in private, not just in front of Jesus, but in, in front of the 11 people closest to you. They all got to watch it. This is what's happening right here. It's failure. And Jesus comes over. He pulls them up out of the water. And then we get to verse 32. It says, they got into the boat and they began to worship him. And here's the question that I asked myself as I read that. Because it said that they got into the boat and began to worship him. Not just the disciples worshiping Jesus, but Peter too. The question that I asked was, was Peter even dry yet? Had Peter even had time to dry off? Maybe, maybe you're still not following, following me. Let, me. let me explain. Because I've said the prayer, God, I want you to use me. I want people to see the love of Jesus inside my life. I, I want you to use me as a vessel. Make me a vessel, God. In the middle of the storm, I want people to come to my church and, and feel the love of Jesus. I want them to see it at work. I want them to see all these different things. And then you know, you know what happens? If someone shows up in my life who's not just a little bit wet with failure, but they're literally dripping on the floor with failure, we hop out. You know what I do? I wish that I could say, I wish that I could say that I respond to that person like everyone else, but most of the time I show up with towels in my hand. And I'm like, hey man, Jesus loves you. I love you but we got to figure this out together. We got we to gotta dry off. We got to get it right because, because the people that we run with, our, you know, our church, we're, we're all saved now. And we're all, we got the, the grace of God in our life. We got to get it together. And meanwhile, they're, they're dripping. Or maybe it's, it's me doing it to myself. I fail. I show up to church. And instead of worshiping like everybody else, and instead of experiencing the freedom of God in his presence on a Sunday morning or wherever it is, I'm weighed down by the shame. Maybe I take the Sunday off because I'm like, you know what? I messed up too much this week. I can't go into that church. I'll be a hypocrite. And so I put myself in spiritual timeout, totally disregarding the fact that the only place real change happens is in the presence of Jesus. So I turn to my willpower and I put myself in timeout and I miss out on his power in his presence. But something else happens. Go ahead, go ahead and fall. <laughs> Sit cold. Yeah. Peter falls, right? Went from fear to failure. But when Jesus pulls Peter out of the water, the water represents a third thing. Now it represents the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus. 
And Jesus doesn't show up with towels in his hand. He doesn't show up to, to cover up the wet, to cover up the drip. He shows up with one thing in mind, and it's this. It's to be with you. It's to love you. And this is where Peter spoke to me. Because Peter, he, this is not the only story where Peter messes up and, and falls in front of his face. He was known for that. But you know what Peter was the greatest at? At getting back up when he fell. That's the power of being a follower of Jesus. What the enemy would love for us to do is for us to fall and for us to get in the boat and sulk in the corner and stay away from Jesus until we feel dry again. But what Jesus wants us to do is to run back to his presence because it's the only place we'll ever change. It's the only place that our heart will be traded for his, that our desires will be traded for his, where our heart will be transformed into his will and his heart. As I was praying for this part of the message, I felt like there was going to be two different groups of people. There was going to be people in here who you need to come through dripping in the middle of fear. It's been a crazy past 12 months, and maybe your life has got a lot of fear in it. It's time to come through dripping. It's time to, time to let your faith rise above that fear. But there's another group of people who maybe you're, you're failing, and no one really knows about it. Not, not many people know about it. It's just you. You didn't fail in front of a bunch of people, but you feel soaking wet. I really felt like God put it on my heart to say, don't miss out on your moment with Jesus because you keep reliving your moments of shame. We don't run to Jesus because we're okay with our sin. We run to Jesus because we want to be changed from our sin. And that's where the power is. Will you stand with me? I just want to say a prayer. I love that we're ending in worship today because that's how Peter ended this story got in the boat, and began to worship. So I'm going to say a prayer for you, for me, and then we're just going to worship with everything we have as a symbolic gesture of our hearts, saying, God, I know, I know that this fear and this failure is present, but by your grace, by your blood, it became forgiveness. He who knew no sin literally became sin so we could become the righteousness of God. That's the good news of the gospel. Can I pray for you? Dear Lord, thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for their hearts, God. I pray that you would stir up courage, that where there is fear, their faith would rise up and they would come through dripping. That 2021 would be a year that their faith would stir so big that when people interact with them, they would want to know what is different and that difference would be you. God, our, our cities our schools, our workplaces, God, that they would be so impacted by the faith that's stirred in us that we would see tons and tons of people come to know you because of it. God, I pray that this year as we step out, as we follow you, God, that when we fail, we wouldn't let the enemy keep us from you, God, but we would be people who bounce back just like Peter and get back to your presence, that we would be people who run after you, who worship you, who trust you to do the changing and do the digging, that we would not run in shame where you are trying to meet us in grace. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your promise to be our anchor. God, that we can find perseverance when we look at you, when we fix our eyes on you. We love you. We thank you. 